Hi there, I'm your host, Brian Husky. And as alluded to in my introduction of this podcasting effort, content here is going to range across a variety of topics and interests. Now, for the most part, all of these subjects share a few common threads that they relate to adventure and are my own experiences that I'm sharing with you firsthand. Now today, I wanna share my experiences with competition, racing, and the fuel that it's been over my entire life, charging a wild imagination as a tyke to staying young at heart now in middle age. Since the training wheels came off, I wanted to live on two wheels. I took a place on a starting gate for the first time at the age of six. So as far back as I can remember, I found a favorite kind of satisfaction aboard two wheels. A few years later, I was racing the 80cc mini class at various motorcycle races in Millican Valley and China Hat areas east of Bend, Oregon. In the late 80s though, my friend's dad crashed and broke his neck while out riding. And although dirt bikes were a staple activity for my dad and I, he freaked out a bit and pulled us out of regular moto riding. Now I was crushed and missed riding and racing immensely. Despite the disconnection, I continued to follow professional motocross racing like other kids followed their favorite football or basketball teams, which I had very little interest in. What grew inside me over the following years was a connection to the individual athlete in racing and a grand respect for what made those kinds of champions. The element of mental toughness in a solitary manner the vision of struggle and toil over extended periods of time, distance, and often the elements of earth, all in addition to racing your rivals, this was fascinating to me in my young imagination. I began to see those kinds of rivals as also compatriots who share with you the diversity of challenges at hand. In another sense, it presented me the most fun imaginable, like a bunch of kids left alone to run wild. Looking back on it now, I felt a shared, kindred tie with individual athletes, racers of all kinds, and I came to realize it was also what I was. In junior high and high school, I ran track and cross country. However, summers were spent focused on mountain bike racing, which I totally enjoyed. I wasn't super good, however, not too bad either. I eventually made my way up to the junior expert class and secured some decent sponsorships over a handful of seasons. I felt at home in the mountain bike community and culture that was taking shape and bend in the early 90s. My BMX and dirt bike skills, paired with a medium build and long distance endurance, made a good fit for competitive cycling. I had a network of friends who also raced. They were all just fantastic kids and are still to this day good friends and incredibly solid, successful, self-made individuals. Cycling was something that I was pretty good at, and I was drawn to the individual nature and competitiveness of cross-country mountain bike racing. Other peers experienced team sports during school years, but those just weren't for me. I was drawn to the solitary conditions and outcomes of long, hard races, and each person owning every ounce of their finish or failure. At 18, out of the house and old enough to get a loan, I bought a 1994 Honda CR125, which I rode and raced the wheels off of. And over the course of the next several years, I moved into newer, bigger, and better bikes. That progression was mirrored by my racing class and finishes too. 
helped in large part when I plunged into the social group of some of the fastest pros in Western off-road racing. Like anything in life, the best way to get good at something is to hang around people that are way better than you and copy them. In a short matter of time, my skills developed to a high level by riding with this crew of pros. We'd stage our camp in the deserts east of Bend and ride several hundred miles of single track over weekends when the dirt was good. Reaching this next level of ability brought about another awareness that, like anything in life, the better you are at something, the more fun it is. This well-developed craft of peak-level thrill, satisfaction, and pride that came along with my riding abilities was empowering and ran over to other elements of my life. The focus, training, preparation, and dedication to perfecting this skill kept me out of, at least some, I'm sure, trouble in my late teens to 20. I moved from Central Oregon to Boise in 2000 and for the next decade continued an active variety of moto riding and racing. In 2007, I was 30 years old and decided I really wanted to test myself, determine just how good I could be if I really applied myself to a specific race. The race I focused on is called the Idaho City 100, an ISDE format event that served as a regional qualifying race for the International Six Days Enduro. The race draws national caliber talent vying for a spot on the United States team, as well as the most hardcore of off-road and mountain moto enthusiasts. The Idaho City 100 has a very well-earned reputation as one of, if not the toughest races in the country. In my efforts to be competitive in the top class at Idaho City, I would begin training early each spring. In addition to as much saddle time as possible, I'd run and mountain bike in the vast network of single track trails in the Boise foothills. Occasionally I'd take note of the time of day and ballpark my progress, but for the most part, I simply gauged results and fitness by how I felt. By my mid thirties, I was struggling to accept a new reality that had been slowly creeping up on me. I was losing my competitive fire. The energy needed for my wife Allie and I to make a living required a lot of focus, especially for me as a self-employed entrepreneur. And I was becoming lazy, or at least, let's say less inspired. The time, organization, cost, logistics, packing, loading, unloading, gearing up, and then all of that again in reverse involved in dirt bike riding had began to feel like too much additional work. And my motivation to do so suffered. I was faced with the fact that in all likelihood, my best race results were behind me. And I was admitting that I really didn't want to put all the time and effort into besting my results to date. Then of course, just the basic elements of getting older, although I never felt any direct decline in my physical abilities. I was just bummed out. I loved racing, but being competitive at the levels I sought was just so much time and work. Then, one cold and drizzly Thanksgiving, my brother-in-law mentioned this app thing that he used for cycling. He called it Strava. He said it was another GPS app that logged your rides, but also involved an element of segments, portions that were set up by users to create start and finish points. And when you rode through these segments, most existing trails were already mapped as segments, your time was marked. So following a ride, you could not only have a great log and journal of your performance, 
but also see how your results compared with other Strava users. These features delivered two inspirations to me. First off, an accurate record-keeping system for my training that I could track, compare, and reference. It would be awesome to see exactly how many miles I'd ran or rode that week, and to be able to dig into that data of each ride sounded and proved to be super interesting. After all, nothing helps motivate like progress. And with this kind of tracking, I could actually see how fit I was or wasn't, displayed in graphics, maps, and charts. This proved incredibly inspiring to me. And second, to see my results mixed with all the other riders on leaderboards was tantalizing to say the least. It harkened back to those June evenings at Idaho City, post-race and physically filthy and thrashed, often bloodied. Racers, those who finished, on schedule racers, complete the race in six to eight hours, depending on the year and conditions. Anyways, this crew of athletes were found pacing in the dirt lot of the community hall awaiting results to be posted from that day's time trial, special test sections of the race. If you've ever been in a race and had to wait for results to be posted while you're sick to your stomach from exhaustion, dehydration, you know the feeling. There's just something about that state of being. When you've given all you have, pushed physics and your physical ability to their max and risked your life and limb with absolute certainty. You want to feel like it was enough, but you don't know if it was enough until that beer gut guy or gal waddles out in pajama pants with sheets of paper and a stapler in hand. It's a special feeling of anticipation. So Strava and these new added elements of mountain bike training cracked open a whole cache of opportunity for fulfillment. You see, we are extremely lucky to live where we do in Boise. I can hop on my bike and in as little as four minutes be out of town and onto a network of insanely rad single track trails extending from the foothills up and over the Boise Front Range. Which means that contrary to all the hassle of moto riding, this incredible convenience and newly added competitive element triggered a new life for my competitive fire. It was like I'd discovered a source for that feeling of satisfaction that comes with training and preparation for a big race. But now, on any given day, I could go out and test myself with precision. I began to track, scale, and predict my workouts to fit neatly into this digital log of KTM orange graphs and pie charts. Once I had my fitness level up on plane, a whole new drive this opportunity for reward was waiting there for me, totally untapped. In a sense, I compare this to photography and the fantastic opportunities for success that it provides when out hunting, fishing, or even riding. If the primary activity goes to hell, but I've made an effort to get the camera out and tell that story, I end up with a big bonus reward that would have otherwise been just left there on the ground. While using Strava, despite my performance, it adds data to my effort and annual progress. I ride an old mountain bike. It was actually given to me years back by my good friend Bobby Foster. Made in 99 or 2000, it's a hardtail Klein. Blaze red, faded to canary yellow. Its fat aluminum tubes look like they're made of gumball candy. And the honed down welds balance perfectly between visibility and blend. It's a beautiful bike 
and a true classic from the vintage of bike racing that I came from. I eventually bent the stock Manitou suspension fork, which sported an inch and change of travel, and replaced it with a rigid carbon fork. Technology-wise, the bike is ancient. Performance-wise, its steep 1990s geometry, cantilever brakes, 26-inch wheels, narrow bars, and zero suspension make it a very dicey proposition at speed on downhills. On the climbs, at under 23 pounds, it's efficient, light, and simple. A match made in heaven for the cush Boise trails and this fat old dude. And I might add, a combination often resulting in respectable synergy. I'm not the strongest climber. Only when I'm in peak fitness can I be a threat to other riders on long climbs. But I can honestly say my downhill skills are pretty damn not bad. I attribute this, of course, to so much time on motorcycles. I think I have a baseline tolerance for being quite comfortable going very, very fast on tiny twisting trails. That and fat rolls downhill fast. So with this bike helping so much on climbs and my extra gusto for high-speed bike handling, my old bike and I make a great pair and on occasion have racked up some accomplishments on the digital leaderboards of Strava that I'm very proud of, especially when my bike is factored into the equation. And with this added new element, Strava inspired me not only to get fit, but also competitive on a mountain bike again. I reactivated my old five-digit USAC racing account and even started racing again. Nothing special, of course. I started out in the fat old dude class, but over time did work my way above the mid-pack classes and overall finishers. I added local cyclocross and short track series to my calendar and even raced a national level enduro cup. Yes, the bicycle version, not moto as that name has been widely adopted by the mountain bike industry in recent years. And that style of mountain bike racing has taken on the same name. And quite frankly, that effort itself was a significant high mark in the just to be different category. As entering this kind of race on a 20th century rigid mountain bike is unheard of and frankly ridiculous. But per my long background with rigid bikes and the fact that I'd raced insane downhills like the Mammoth Mountain World Cup in 1994, I was unfazed by the mismatch of an old rigid bike versus ski mountain. And I sure got a lot of crazy comments and cheers from spectators, shocked to see this idiot wielding a knife and gun battle. It was ultra fun, went really well, and I hope to do it many more times.